Hey guys, this is Joe Costello from Hidden Horsepower. Just wanted to let you know about the next Engine Performance Expo. We're talking about January 13th and 14th. We're going to be live streaming the entire event on YouTube. That's right. No more sign in or register or any of that. Just go to YouTube and you can do it right now and search Engine Performance Expo. Expo. Subscribe, click the bell for notifications, and then when we go live January 13th and 14th, you won't miss a second. We're going to have some of the best engine builders in the world all there talking about the ins and outs of engine building and high performance. In the meantime, let's kick it back out to the Engine Performance Expo, an encore presentation of an incredible interview we got to do with Mr. Keith Dorton. The following is brought to you by Total Seal Piston Rings, the leader in ring seal technology. TotalSeal.com. Another hidden horsepower live here at the Engine Performance Expo. Joe Costello, Lake Speed, and we are joined by the man, Keith Dorton from Automotive Specialist Racing Engines, NASCAR legend. Lake, this is another mega interview. Oh, it is. Now, Keith's been on hidden horsepower before. Yes. It's like Mark had. But again, we're we're seven miles from Bristol Motor Speedway. This is we got to bring back some NASCAR action here. So, who best to have here? Plus, there's such a uh, great story arc with Keith that you know. Not only did you have a have had a legendary career, your brother Randy uh, had a legendary career before he, he passed tragically. Uh, but then you've had this whole other life with Bonneville and your son Jeff and. Is your your family is amazing, actually. I mean, you're kind of like the the crown prince family of engine building, really. If, I, I'm, if I'm thinking about it, <laughs> you know, I mean, who, who else's family has had that much success? Well, I think your family's done all right. Had, We've done yeah, all right. Been done okay, all right. and uh, and I really appreciate that. That's uh, very flattering. Well, it's, I mean, I mean <clears throat> there's not a lot of guys who've been able to adapt the way you have you know to from the early days in nascar you you and mark you know last night and having dinner i was i was loving it and he just straight out asked you what about those things in the manifold right yeah <laughs> we didn't get to that in a minute but yeah. it's that and then you know i guess when you and i first met each other you were doing the the pro cup engines you know mm -hmm. for joey logano and when he came to gibbs and then next thing i know there's bonneville engines in there and all, all of these things is what I me. Mean, what is it? What what drove you to keep finding these new opportunities? I think it was the desire to see how things worked and to mm. try to make them better. Yeah, uh, you know, the just like most of us in this industry, we started out with um, go karts or a little, yep. you know, single cylinder engine that you took off a lawnmower and and you tried to understand how it worked mm -hmm. and. And by the way, I'm still trying to understand that. <laughs> but uh, but engines no. are infinitely complex. Right. That's what I love about them. Mm -hmm. You never get to the end answer. But uh, that's true. But I, I've been very blessed, and just like you bringing up uh, Randy. Mm -hmm. Randy started with me at a very young age. Mm -hmm. He was very intrigued by mechanical things, also, mm -hmm. and we worked together. You know, just like that for years and. And it came time for him to go off to school, mm -hmm. and uh, then he he decided he wanted to kind of be on his own. 
right. which was great. You know, it was, it, you know, he to lose, and I didn't lose him, <laughs> but, you know, it was hard to, we needed to help, you know. Right. And, you know, I was, I was, oh, yeah, it's, it's, I, was it's, I was greedy. Right, know? yeah. But he went on with uh, Sox and Martin and some of those drag race teams, and then, of course, got hooked up with uh, uh, Harry Hyde and, and then with Rick. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I'm so proud of the accomplishments that he made. And uh, as we talked earlier, uh, my son started, mm -hmm. you know, when he was able to push a broom or whatever. And, uh, and I had that fear. Oh, he's gonna want to. He's gonna want to, you know, go out and mm -hmm. and uh, make the big bucks and so forth. But uh, fortunately, he has stayed with me, and uh, you know, uh, like again, I'm so blessed to have that family atmosphere that we've carried on now for quite a while. You, and you do. You you see it when you walk in your shop. You walk in the front door. You know, you're there. Jeff's there. Your wife's there. It, it is. It's family. And how long have y'all been over there in that in that building? And the building we're in now will be 20, 22 years, I guess. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, we actually, Feb come February, I guess, we'll uh, have been in business 57 years. 57. Wow. That's a pretty good number, right? Well, think. some of the early customers, right? Ralph Earnhardt. Like, I, I, I bring that up each time I speak with you because I think that <clears throat> proves the point. Like, OG, right. engine builder. You go back to... Dale's dad, who started this trend, and without Ralph, there's no Dale. Without Dale, there's who knows where NASCAR is right now. Well, you know, and I took a lot of that for granted that I didn't know, I didn't realize, you know, how important those relationships were right. until later. Uh, but we've been very fortunate to work with people like Ralph, Dale, Dale Jr., mm -hmm. and... Uh, you know, Rusty Junior Johnson. You know, um, uh, the the list goes on. Of course, my background was Holman and Moody, right? With Lorenzen and you know all those. Guys. Talk about Fireball. that for a minute. Yeah, because I I think that's a, one of those missed stories. You know, it's almost lost on. Okay, we know Charlotte is this hub of activity with NASCAR and everything. But that Holman Moody part of that was that that had to be like the genesis of why that was so big. Yes, it it, it was, and I you know when I was growing up, I never dreamed that. Uh, I guess I never grew up, but but when I was young, I never thought that I could fit in in a place like that. But okay, I I just didn't you know uh, I wasn't so much intimidated, but. Uh, what am I going to do there? Because I'm, I don't have all this knowledge. But I remember I went, a friend of mine had a job over there. He said, you need to come because, you know, might be a place for you there. So uh, I went and they, I did get the job working in the uh, parts department for a very short while. Okay. And then they put me in the uh, fab shop. And I remember going the first time in my toolbox was a little craftsman, mm -hmm. like a tackle box, mm -hmm. that that's my tools. That's all the tools I got. And I walked in. Opened on the top, I had two slide doors, didn't right, I? Yeah. And my in, dad has that know, same toolbox. <laughs> over here was these guys that had these mega 
<laughs> so I didn't need much space, but uh, but quickly I I found out that you know I and and I was blessed to work with some very qualified, intelligent people. Mm -hmm. I, mean, I remember them to the day that taught me some. You know, to be a, an engine guy, you not only just stuff pistons in a hole. You you've got to you got to know how to fabricate, mm -hmm. you know, because in the old days, we made our own oil pans, we made our own headers, and, and still do a lot of it, but right. uh, but I had some, and you know, forward financing, right. that back then, they had the top people in all fields. That's kind of what I was going at yeah. for, right, is that if it was just a shop, that's one thing, but the fact that it was essentially the Ford factory yes. effort right. to do, I guess it was, I mean, almost everything motorsports. I mean, I've been there before and Lee Holman showed me the the blueprints of the GT40. Yes. I mean, that was, people kind of know, okay, Ford versus Ferrari in the movies and uh, Carol and everything out there in the West Coast, but there was an element of all this in Charlotte at the time too, right? They was, you know, it was uh, the premier place for uh, for Ford, certainly, mm -hmm. and most, and uh, really motorsports in general. But uh, so they had the best of everything at that time, right? And the resources were unlimited. So I was fortunate to work with some of those people that took me under the wing and taught me, and uh, uh, got a lot of knowledge yeah. in a short time because I was only there from. Oh, uh, like late, uh, late 63, all of 64, mm -hmm. and left in uh, early 65. Okay. Uh, so you and Robert Yates weren't there at the same time? No, Robert okay. was right behind me. Right, okay. Yeah. Uh, we, we uh, you know, again, I got, I was really fortunate to be able to work with Robert, mm -hmm. along with a lot of the other people, and sadly, quite a few of them aren't here today oh i know it's it's heartbreaking mm -hmm. to be honest but uh no it um uh, it's kind of ironic i don't i don't want to dwell on it too much but uh uh you know i'm there a short while and you know why why would you leave the premier place right <laughs> you know <laughs> and uh, i wasn't intending on it because okay. i just got married for one oh, thing. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, and uh, but we were we were making good money. I was making I was making two dollars and thirty five cent an hour, oh. and you were you were working you know seventy seventy five hours a week and getting time and a half. Right. So we, my wife and I, present wife, we uh, our only wife, uh, we were we saved our money, so we bought a house before right. we got married. Oh wow! You know, so okay. we still have that house. But um, I, um, um, well, the only, only way to put it is I was fired. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, and the reason I was fired, because John Holman was a very strict man. You know, I totally respect him. Mm -hmm. And uh, I've uh, kept a good relationship with, you know, Lee and mm -hmm. Randy when they were there. That uh, uh, I bought a piece of... Um, Actually, it's an old valve grinder because I tinkered at home. Okay. The the few hours that I had, because I'd done some drag race, doing drag racing and so forth, and um, 
but uh, I bought an old valve grinder from the Quickway guy. Yeah. Because it was a good deal, you know. And somebody, one of my friends, I don't know, they told John that you bought a valve bought grinder. Valve grinder and said he's going to start his own shop. <laughs> so. <laughs> I come in one Monday morning and John called me to go to work before you clocked in you had to walk right by his office so you you wouldn't be a minute late you didn't want to be right any yeah, late. yeah yeah and uh, John called me in his office or Mr. Holman called me in his office and he said I understand you want in business for yourself uh. mm, no I'm not planning on it and uh, he, um, he he said well I understand you bought some equipment and I, and I said, yes, sir, I did. And uh, please don't think that I'm being uh, uh, critical of him asking me that. He had every right to do what he did. But uh, he said, well, we can't have that. And I said, what do you mean? He said, well, you either... Uh, sell this piece of equipment and bring me a receipt where mm -hmm. you sold it or you know we don't need you anymore and uh, I thought well short in the story I loaded up my toolbox <laughs> that day and had to go home and tell Patsy I don't have a job anymore <laughs> so I better so, start grinding uh, some valves in my valve grinder to paper yeah, stuff yeah. number one number one he was right you did, and yeah. look what happened. Yeah. And number two, it was obviously the right and good thing to happen. And, uh, you know, it was a different era then. It was a different world. We say it all the time about yeah. the, the way people used to hide information mm -hmm. uh, versus now where people are, like, desperately trying to right. share. We didn't all get right. fired back in the day for, yeah. for doing what we're doing right now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this is a fireable offense, yeah. sharing with people yeah. who are also interested. Uh, the well, secret sauce. I also know, too, because we're both men of, of faith, that God has a way of finding a path for you. Yeah. And that was the path he wanted you to go down to be able to touch the people that you've ended up touching in your life. So I think I, it's, it's just, you, you never know what your path is going to be. I truly believe that, you know, so, but that gave me the opportunity. In fact, you know, what goes around comes around, you mm -hmm. know, they say, but you know, I had, I, uh, and I stayed friends with a lot of the people over there. And uh, we actually did work for Lee. <laughs> you know, years yeah. years later. Yeah. You know, and uh, and so that it was. I was glad. I you know I was a little bitter. Uh, um, you know. Yeah. Or scared. Right. But uh, it's worked out, and it gave me that opportunity, just like you were asking about uh, Ralph Earnhardt. You know, I knew Ralph because we were, you know, we're fifteen miles apart, but uh, you know, um, we he was he was a uh, hero or a mentor mm -hmm. and uh so um that gave me that opportunity to expand right my knowledge so that way what was the move though all right like now you got a valve grinder and no job and a little box of tools how do you go from that moment to daytona 500 winner yeah <laughs> fortunately i had uh, some connections there that let me use a little two-bay garage you know somewhat rent-free and I did brake jobs and tune-ups and you know whatever 
until I was able to, uh, first machine we bought was a balance machine. And that's how I really got involved with Ralph Earnhardt in that the closest balance machine was in Winston-Salem, which is an hour or a little better Convenience. away. And uh, Ralph told me, he said, look, here's what you got to do. You know, work by yourself just like you're doing. You know, do nothing but balance assemblies and you'll do good. And uh, and we did. We did okay. But I couldn't stand that. You know, I couldn't stand <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, I, you know, yeah. I, I, I needed yeah. just like looking at the equipment here that's available, mm -hmm. you know. Man, you it's know, you can't, innovation to figure out and to drive and right. make Mine, better. Yeah, you wanted to get out. You can't sit still. So right. um, uh, he, uh, of course, you know, then I, you know, bought different pieces of equipment. And every time he'd come down, he said, "I told you, I told you, you know, you shouldn't do that." <laughs> but I tell you, he told me another thing that uh, no racer believes. Uh, I didn't because we we raced uh, actually, you know. Dale Senior, you know, drove a dirt car for us, you know, right. along with some others here back in that era. But Ralph told me, he said, uh, don't ever go to the, when we started racing, he said, don't ever go to the racetrack without, uh, don't ever go to the racetrack owing somebody for the tires or whatever. Mm -hmm. And don't ever go thinking that you're gonna bring everything back because you know in a blink of an eye oh yeah it's gone you yep. know you yep. you you blow an engine you hit the wall you know mm -hmm. so you know unless you can afford to lose everything right don't go fortunately none of us listen to that <laughs> no 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 that's uh, one, one ear yeah. Oh, yeah, right, right. it's good advice in theory yeah right yeah yeah, yeah. and right. from what we know of his son dale senior uh he didn't listen to that advice. <laughs> no, oh, no, no no like i say fortunately for us that uh you know racers don't think that way exactly you know? if you guys have got a question for keith uh, this is an opportunity for you to get involved. Put it up in the chat session. If it's worth uh, worthwhile, we'll throw it his way and see what you got. Um, so speaking of Dell Sr. and Daytona 500 wins and things like that, so back to Mark Cronkler's question. What were those things in the manifold? Yeah, what's up in the manifold? <laughs> <laughs> well, so we, let's preface it. So what we're talking about is the early days of restrictor plate racing, where the, you, they put a plate that had four holes in it underneath the carburetor. In the old days, the manifolds were open plenums, like we're used to seeing. But you guys came up with some interesting ways of trying to increase the efficiency of that engine because that plate under the carburetor really disrupted the air and just made a mess of the engine, which is why it chucked on power, right? Yeah, and that goes back a long way. So a lot, probably a lot of the people out there don't understand what brought that about. And 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 you know, yep. Bobby Allison. Allison. Yep, in the fence, you know, Talladega. And, and you know, uh, fortunately he didn't, you know, right. kill a bunch of people. Right, it was horrific. Right, but the speeds were just so great uh, that they had to cut back. Yep. And their logic was, let's just cut back horsepower, so that mm -hmm. necessitated the restrictor plate. So we took a, excuse me, a 600 horsepower engine and cut mm -hmm. it back to 400 or less. Mm -hmm. So our job was to make more horsepower, make more power, right. gain some of that back. back. And the uh, rules were very restrictive. 
about it. Punishments were very severe, mm-hmm. but uh, through, and I had to say there was, there was no engin- engineering data or technology to help correct what was going on. Because for one thing, we didn't know what was going on. Right. And I, I remember on the dyno, we would put this, say, a 15, 16, four 15, 16 hole. Right. Knock 200 horsepower out of the engine. And we'd make changes to jetting, and rock arms, you you know, none, none of it made any difference. Right. We, and, uh, and every time I would take the restrictor plate off, there'd be droplets of fuel just suspended hanging on the bottom of that plate. And why is that? You know, I, I couldn't mm-hmm. figure it out. So when I, when I finally got a grasp, how I finally got a grasp of what was going on is I cut a manifold up, put some windows in it, and uh, um, put a uh, crash helmet on. Okay. And went and then got right there mm-hmm. and watching what was happening. Oh my gosh. And, John uh, Kazi before John Kazi. Yeah, exactly. So on the, <laughs> on the dyno, you're up, right up on it. Right. Watching. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, that that's how we spin Tron now. Yeah. A screwdriver on the valve cover. You know, while my son's yeah. while my son's running. Yeah. You know, he listened for yeah. the. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, but uh, oh, I hope our main for spin. <laughs> no, no, he's not watching. Yeah. That's but, all uh, a joke. Yeah. Yeah. But. Um, but anyway, yeah. So you were watching the manifold. You, yeah, and you know, the carburetor atomizes the fuel air mixture, mm-hmm. and it's coming down through, and it's a nice big cloud. Mm-hmm. Well, the velocity picked up so much going through those four small holes mm-hmm. that it was separating the, and you could actually see that. You know, uh, high speed filming would would have helped, and it did later on. Right. But then it was just all out of brain. Yeah. But you could see. You just knew fuel shouldn't be there. It should be down in the combustion well, chamber. Well, it, it was separating. The, right. You know, you, that that atomization was going to, back to a liquid, mm-hmm. and the airspeed was so great that the fuel could hit the floor, yep. and then it bounced back up. Okay. So we knew we had to do two things, slow the increase Air, the airflow and slow that speed down. Right. And uh, it was through just hours and hours and hours of trial and error mm-hmm. that we were able to do that with different tubes and so mm-hmm. forth and it worked we finally through trial and error hit on a something that actually worked and we gained a sizable amount of power uh, and essentially that was because there's four holes in the in the spacer mm-hmm. or the plate there were four tubes in the manifold that would kind of help that transition right right and it had to be one piece you know nascar mm-hmm. so we made it we made a block to go in mm-hmm. you know uh, in the manifold, and then four, like an inch and three-quarter straight hole, mm-hmm. and then, then you could take the lay and machine the tubes, different radiuses is, and yep. so forth, uh, and just Tape drop them in, in. Right, yep. so you could try. And then once you hit on the setup, then you made it in one piece. Right. So, uh, you know, a lot of wasted effort and money, you know, when you were trying to the object was to kill horsepower, and then you spend thousands and thousands, much like you do now. Right. Thousands. Hey, Mark said here earlier, said yeah. the exact same thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Now, why do we have a $10,000 crankshaft and the engine makes 550 horsepower? <laughs> 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 but, uh, so, 
But that was a great innovation though, right? Just that quest to, okay, we got this problem, we gotta find it, we gotta find it. This really out of the box thinking is like, you would have never thought that the way to make more power with this little bitty tiny plate, which is essentially fill up the manifold full of stuff, but leave these little holes in there. And it was, it was huge uh, gains to be had but by doing that, but. Well, you know, it's, yes, it was. And a lot of it's, you know, by accident and usually somebody has done it previously mm -hmm. but that was new that had never been done before right but some of the improvements that we made were done decades and decades before that and and uh one thing that we found out we we uh inadvertently stuck two plates together mm-hmm wow did we pick up power they were the same size right. still a restrictor but we picked up so much power well that um that increase in the thickness of that actually helped the air it gave it that extra just eighth of an inch just to turn to, yeah bit. and then just uh if you want can you can you would you share about what you did with the the spacer gasket Oh, the the carburetor gasket. Yeah. yeah, yeah. After that, when we found that out, I thought, oh gosh, you know, we can uh, we can make some gains here that might not be illegal. Right. They may be, but more likely, yeah, if it's me, not but, in the rule book, yeah. it's not illegal. So well, it is now, but it used to be not that back then. So we got some blank carburetor gaskets and put our own holes in them, which were the same size as the plate. As, as the plate. And uh, it was a 60,000 gasket uh, that you still use, mm -hmm. you can still use. And, uh, but that, in effect, was just like a, adding that other restrictor plate made that distance far. And you hit a punch, so it kind of actually radiused it right. a little bit. Right, and then the more you ran it, just in case, we didn't want to draw attention, so we spray painted them silver. So you, you really couldn't, yeah. see it unless you were really looking. close yeah but the more you ran it the more horsepower we gained because it kept on yeah that <laughs> gasket would swell and then it would put a little radius going into it and the boundary layer was so much less it was like putting a bigger plate on it <laughs> and it was uh it was amazing how much power and uh but we got by with that for quite a while even on some of the you remember when they run the all pro yes up here at Bristol, mm -hmm. they run the All Pro race up here, and they had, you know, they were so fast they had to put restrictor plates on it. Well, um, <laughs> um, I don't think I'd get in trouble for this. Uh, Ron Hornaday yeah. was driving a car that uh, from the West Coast mm -hmm. that we'd got hooked up with, and and uh, boy, did that little restrictor plate. Trick help. Oh, yes. <laughs> but that, but we did that gasket, yeah. and uh, he just annihilated them. But uh, it was almost a license to steal. <laughs> you know? But uh, I don't know. That's uh, that wasn't cheating. That's not cheating. No, that's not. That's cheating. innovation. Yeah. That's innovation, yeah. not cheating. Innovation yeah. or it luck or luck. You accidentally put two plates on one day and figured out something by mistake, like the guy who invented fire by getting struck by lightning, like, you know. <laughs> now, it was cheating after that. Right, When yes. they found out what we were doing. Right. But, uh, so. Well, and you. So uh, I had a, I had a clear conscience. 
Yes, sir. Let's do it. So we, we've talked a little bit about the Earnhardts. We've got a couple of questions about Bonneville, but I just want to ask you about the Daytona 500 win because you had such a great relationship with uh, the Earnhardts, but the Daytona 500 win that you got kind of took something away from the Earnhardts. 1990. Yeah, yeah. You know, everybody wanted Dale to win, you know, and he had to race one. Oh, you yeah. Know, we were we were going to run second. Right. You know, and... Uh, I only wish Bill Elliott had a flat tire on the last lap in 85. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it it, uh, it just, it was one of those things that uh, uh, was meant to be, mm-hmm. you know, and, uh, you know, the car, an independent car that, that Derek Cope was driving, mm-hmm. uh, you know, he earned it. He was fast all week. Yeah, you, you got to be there. And he was in second place. He was going to finish second. Had he not, you know, yeah, Dale Lott had his problem. But uh, but it's still, as they say now, it was still a W. Yeah, it's well, a W. You know, it's a motor race. So that in that moment, though, you're the engine builder. That's your engine running second. I, I imagine like you're very invested in the final lap of the Daytona 500. So can, what did you think in the moment? How did you process what was happening? Well, you know. Uh, it's. I didn't watch that race. I wasn't there. Uh, <laughs> our our daughter was uh, who was a teenager at the time was having some very serious health problems. Okay. And uh, my wife, myself, and her was at uh, Baptist Hospital in Winston Salem. We didn't even know he'd won the race till later. <laughs> and uh, you went <clears throat> you went to Daytona 500 and you you know you. How do you capitalize on it? Right. It was the last thing on my mind. At the time, right. The time. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, very proud, very proud of it. Uh, and, yeah, later we stuck our chest That's out. Oh, you yeah, know, course, yeah. We were happy. But uh, but in the moment, the perspective was like, right. this doesn't matter. Yeah. It, yeah. it doesn't change this. No, no. So, let's talk about Bonneville. So, yeah, here's, exactly. here's a question from Chris. Uh, could you have Mr. Dorton expand on the differences between circle track racing engines and Bonneville speed trials approach to engine design, build, etc.? Well, that's that's a lot simpler than you would think. Uh, the oval track stuff, even the drag race things that we do, uh, you know, we you know it takes power. We we do everything we can to achieve power, mm-hmm. but like on an oval track engine, it's you've got to you got to come off the corner, and plus you got to have end of the straightaway speed, right? And so the engines has to be tailored, tuned, whatever mm-hmm. to do that. At Bonneville, you're running on a little bitty skinny tire, no traction. It's like driving on ice almost. Okay. So you don't, you can't use it. You don't want any low end power, but you want it all on the top. Okay. So uh, we took when we first started going out there, we took an old NASCAR engine, and you know it was making eight hundred and change horsepower. Right. Of course, they ran good out there. You know, with a regular forty one fifty carburetor. So Jeff and myself, we got to thinking. You know what? you know they were having trouble with traction so right. wh- what can we do so we want to kill some bottom end but we want to make more power on top it's all about airflow you know mm-hmm. at least our theory was 
We didn't change camshafts. We didn't change cylinder heads. We did nothing but take a manifold and mm -hmm. cut it apart, really blow it out, looked primarily at the line of sight from the top of the plenum chamber to the intake valve, mm -hmm. and got as good a line of sight as we could, blowed the plenum way out, raised it, um, and put a um, dominator flange on it. Okay. And we put this on the dyno, and we picked up 60 horsepower. Wow. We didn't believe it. Jeff and I, neither one, thought that was possible. So um, we got the weights out mm -hmm. the dyno, verified yep, everything. Got to make sure the dyno's right. Still yep. didn't believe it. We put the old manifold back on. We lost the 60. We put the new one back on. We gained it. When we went to Monoville the next time, it showed up on the racetrack. Since that time, some of the even the small cubic inch engines for the different classes out there, we have found that we can't get enough air. You know, we've got okay. 300 cubic inch engines that have two 2,000 CFM throttle bodies on. Do you think it's because of how high the altitude is there, and just how? No, it's because um, it's because of um, we don't care how the engine runs below 7,000 RPMs. You know, right? I mean, this thing. If you if you went to Daytona or somewhere. Uh, that engine wouldn't pull out the piss. <laughs> <laughs> but from 7,500 to 85 or 99,000, it, it, it goes. Mm -hmm. And I guess too, it, it's that long stretch. You have, you're running for miles on end at wide open throttle that maybe having more volume of air available just continues to feed it. So mm -hmm. you don't like a, I'm, I'm thinking about a carburetor and the float balls, if you run out of fuel, run out of power. You just gotta have tons and tons of, of air because if right. you're just moving so much air through it. Yeah. Now, when I came and talked to you about coming here, you guys were working on some cars for Bonneville, some guys had driven from Texas and they were on the way to, to Bonneville. Tell, tell everybody about what that little story was because I think y'all set a record out there, right? In August? Was it October? Uh, October, oh, October. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it was in October. Yeah, they, you know, it was, uh, we uh, we missed August. Uh, Jeff and I did because of the COVID, mm -hmm. but we were fortunate. We got three records then. But uh, this this customer was uh, he's got a street roadster, which is one of the oldest, most prestigious classes there. Mm -hmm. Different engine sizes, right? But, but anyway, his goal was to make it the world's fastest street roadster. Okay. And uh, so we put a pro charger on, you know, 370 cubic inch engine and... Because they had a bigger engine before, right? Yeah, yeah. They had, uh, But anyway, he uh, uh, was able to uh, not only break the record by 14 miles an hour for Sma that... Yeah, smashed it. For, it's not breaking, it's smashing. For the class, <laughs> but he actually uh, achieved being the world's fastest street roadster at 260 miles an hour uh, and the previous record holder was a blown double a which is unlimited cubic inch uh, so and we did it with a 
Small block. Small block, yeah. So. That's what I thought was cool. It was like, yeah. man, this is kind of neat. Because yeah. before, when you were telling me about that, that's before we actually had the Pro Charger hooked up for our engine. And I'm like, okay, I remember Keith said this thing, like, it was amazing. They went from you know, blown big block as much cubic inches as you want, and they destroy the record. This little small block with this Pro Charger, I'm thinking, this could be interesting. <laughs> but you know, one thing about land speed racing or the salt flats is uh, people back here in this mm -hmm. part of the country and other parts of the country, other types of racers say, right. well, you know, that's got to be the most boring thing and, you know, easiest thing in the world to do. Well, you know, it's a big dyno. I mean, it'll bring you to your knees because you're, you know, a NASCAR engine, you can, um, you know, run for 500 miles and they're turning a lot of RPMs and so mm -hmm. forth. But uh, very lightweight stuff. But here we take a, the NASCAR type thing and we try to make more power. Mm -hmm. And boy, it's hard on them to run for five miles, hammer down. Uh, so, yeah, we broke some stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Keith, this has been great. Thank you very much. Uh, second time we've got to, you know, put you on the spot here on Hidden Horsepower. You can go back and listen to the previous episode. We entertained a lot of different stories in that one as well. Wherever you get your podcast, Apple Podcasts and Spotify. This has been so great though, Lake, uh, amazing. And, and you know, we could just pepper you with questions like all day. Like, you know, what, what, what do you want to, I'm gonna stretch it out just for a few more seconds. Yeah. What would you like to do that you haven't already done? Is there a field, an arena, an area that you, you would like to investigate, like maybe you can get something done in that field? Well, we've we ventured out into a lot of different things since, you know, we're not doing, well, we're not doing any NASCAR, you know, work anymore. Right. But, uh, you know, I've always been a hot rodder, gearhead. So, you know, the biggest challenges we're doing now, which is a challenge, is some of the vintage things yes. that we're doing and try to, try to take an engine that was uh, designed for 100 horsepower and make 600. Right. And live and be able to drive it. Because a, a lot of things that we're doing now are street driven. And uh, they are as challenging as the manifolds for Daytona mm -hmm. and everything else. And it's, uh, it, I still find myself two o'clock in the morning waking up and these weird ideas coming through. When you're talking about that flathead you were building recently, I'm trying to make that power of the flathead and the fact that it only has three mains in it and I mean, all those little challenges yeah. that's yeah. So there's a lot, there's a lot going forward I want to do. Well, good. That gives that's us all. more content for a future episode of Hidden Horsepower. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much for joining us here thank, at the Engine Performance Expo. Thank you for having me.